cognizance of the fact that time is moving on. And in a short moment or two, it will be Xmas time. Oh, yes. Uh, you can tell uh, what time of the year it is just by uh, turning on your radio or turning on a television. And, uh, you know, of course, this is, uh, most people have no calendars. I am the only guy that's looked at a calendar in years. Remember when all the gas stations used to give away calendars with naked girls on them? Now uh, you have to come to your gas station and give them things. Uh, it's a very different uh, ball game. Yeah, one keeps saying we can be very cooperative. Seen that one? That gas station? We can be very cooperative. And I went into one of those the other day. It took me 20 minutes even just to get to the pump. And then when I got up there, the guy, uh, you know, <laughs> he asked me what my credit rating was before he would even consent to take the, 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 the thing off the top of the gas tank. But, you know, that's all part of it. And I think that the, that the commercial uh, is today's calendar. You, you, you're, you're warned of uh, impending disasters and events by just watching the commercials that are coming out. For example, the, the entire air at this time on television, especially late at night, that's when you really see it, is loaded with commercials for stuff you never see any other time of the year. Uh, for example, do they only make things that chop up vegetables only in the month of December? I have never seen any of those things, say, in January or February. I never see them in June. But they've uh, they got all these machines, you know, that you turn and uh, you chop up uh, cucumbers and uh, avocado mashes, which everybody wants. And <laughs> it grinds, it chops. And it, and it uh, really, really works. The guy always says, and you get a cap snaffler with it too, whatever a cap snaffler is. And uh, yeah, it's all all part of the time. But one of the one of the funniest commercials, of course, really tells the truth, is the one where this girl looks out at you. Saying, You've seen this one. She says, uh, "I am." She's a very foreign. She's a very very exotic looking girl. She looks right out at you. And you just see her face looking sort of coyly out of the side of the screen at you. And she says that. I find it very difficult as I grow older to give myself to anyone. And I find that I do not wish to give myself as I once did. And as I find that I am more in love with myself as time goes on, the men who come around me must understand that I do not give up myself. You do not have to ask him. <laughs> he knows what you want. It is libido number five. It's so elegant. And, uh, and then when I see Christmas coming on, I think that this is the time when, when the Slavism in us all hangs out. And this is my Ladies favorite. and gentlemen, it is. the this New is York great. Giants wish you a happy holiday. Isn't this great? The New York Giants singing under the Christmas tree. This is my one of my favorite pieces of Slav art. I'm keeping this. It's going to be very valuable in years to come when people don't even remember what pro football was. I will have a recording, and this is a recording of the New York Giants singing under a Christmas tree. And it's the old New York Giants, led by Fran Parkinson, old number 10 himself. Remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, that was a great football team. If I remember right, they were 1-9 that year. And one tie, I think they, they tied New England that year. That was the year that New England was 0 and 10. Yes. <laughs> Come on, just let him sing. Don't, 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 don't get nervous. You play it all the way. <laughs> 
Jim? Now, now, Jim, take that off, and you put on the second cut. The second cut on the same side. That's it. That's it. And uh, you'll find that that's even uh, more significant. Now, now, if you think I'm kidding, this actually is a thing that was put out a couple of years ago. I keep this, you know, I have a vast pile of trivia, all kinds of trivia, which uh, I think is highly significant because it tells the story of our time much more than the big events do. Uh, bumper stickers, uh, things like uh, buttons. I have a tie clip, by the way, which salutes the 1964 New York automobile show. That was a good one. I keep that. Time, from time to time, I put it on. Guys never notice it either, you know. That's it. Because the way time works on most people's heads, they think, well, maybe it is 1964 someplace here in New York. <laughs> you know, you don't know. <laughs> and, and, uh, in fact, the other day, I was, I was on, on the elevator, and I said to this guy in the elevator, the guy you know, by the way, I'm not even going to tell you who it was, but I said, uh, how are things going? Long pause. Uh, you know. I said, yeah, well, that's, that's about the way it's going with everybody else. Yeah, you know, that, that puts it well. And then he thought about that for me. He said, well, you know, every day sort of blends into the next. And I thought about that. I said, well, do you expect a good day? Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> I thought, man, that's the guy to say that, you know. But uh, coming, coming down, though, to the Christmas scene, uh, uh, which is, let's let's face it, it is Christmas time. And have you noticed that almost every one of the uh, advertisers on TV now is advertising their product as an ideal Christmas gift? Uh, in fact, there's one uh, commercial that I saw late at night uh, the other night. I was in a motel. Now, see, we don't get all the commercials around here that uh, they view in other parts of the country. I was in another part of the country, and here this, this commercial came on. And this guy, uh, he's holding up a can of candy, please. And uh, it's a beautiful shot of the end if it's a wind blown. You hear a wind blown. And you see in back, in back of him, there's apparently a car stuck in a snow drift, you know, it's rear screen projection, and you know, it's a terrible winter. And he's holding up this can of antifreeze and says, Ty, he had this accent. Maybe you don't know that the commercials are made with different accents for different parts of the country. So here in New York, we have all these uh, New York type accents, you know, where the guy will come out and say, you know, you, you hear this. And now, if you want to feel really something about your stomach, he rolls it up, and uh, he's, he's purely, <laughs> you know, he's purely, he's talking New York. He's now that same commercial, if it's played, say, in Atlanta, there'll be a guy saying, now, if you really want to do something about your stomach, and uh, it's all exactly the same. They have the same suit on. They're just a different accent. Well, I was uh, in this town, and, and uh, this voice comes on. The guy looks out of the screen at me. And he says, it's time now for winter. Of course, you're going to have to consider winter, and winter is really rapidly approaching. Now, we would like to suggest an ideal Christmas gift for anyone on your gift list. And he's holding up a can of, uh, of antifreeze. Now, in certain parts of the country, to give a can of antifreeze to somebody is a gift of love. Especially with the price of antifreeze today. It's an expensive gift of love, too. And so if you come rushing down to the, yes, you come rushing down to the tree that morning and uh, you're all excited and you rip open your packages and there is a one-gallon can of Prestone, you know that you're loved. And uh, <laughs> it's also a gift you can use. But uh, uh, not many gifts 
can be used. Now, that's the whole point of gift-giving in an affluent society, although, see, we're not really an affluent society anymore. But we keep thinking like an affluent society. That's a difficult problem, you know. We're in the same position that, uh, that the old decadent southern families used to be in, you know, immediately following the Civil War, that, uh, that, they, that the family, you know, the old Colonel Billingsley's family, which had owned the entire state of Georgia, uh, for all those years before the Civil War, and they had their old family estate, uh, Tara, or uh, whatever it was called. Uh, after the Civil War, he, they kept thinking that way, but they didn't own anything. In fact, they didn't have the proverbial you-know-what-to-you-know-what in, right? But the family kept thinking this way. And the old colonel would get out there in his worn old uh, white suit, and uh, he'd wear his old Panama hat from you know, had been saved from his affluent days in the 1840s, and he'd go down the street and he'd say, you know, <laughs> he'd walk down the street and say, my God, Clay, Claiborne, yours of Billingsley, he's talking to his son, yours of Billingsley, and the Billingsley's got to hold up there where we've got our burden to the, to the poor folks of this, this community. Well, the burden was really, they, it was the reverse. Uh, he had become a burden on the community, say. The colonel didn't know that because his head didn't change. And I see the day when, when various countries will be sending relief packages to us. Of course, that's a long time because they used to it either. See, they used to get them. So uh, uh, there's a lot of readjusting of the head. Uh, this is one of the problems when you grow up and you stop being a kid. You know, when you're a kid, up to a certain point, everything comes to you. You know, all of a sudden, without any warning, one day, it, it, it has to reverse itself. You've got to start giving to them. <laughs> That's a hell of a wrench. It's a terrible wrench because it's, a, as it has been so often said, it is far more blessed to give than to receive. But then, to paraphrase it and put it more accurately, it's far more fun to receive than to give. So blessed is not the same as fun. I mean, you follow this uh, subtle little thing. Could you please give me a few of those giants they're singing? Yeah, I mean, for those of you that are sentimental about the old days, there's nothing like the song sung by the old New York Giants standing around in their jerseys. I've always thought the New York Giants had uh, really groovy uniforms. They're pretty suits, you know, much prettier than the Jets. You know, they had those dark blue jerseys, big dark helmets with big red stripes and all that. And they get sentimental times. This is the New York Giants of the past singing to you. This was long before it was suggested that they move to Jersey. Now it's getting to a point where people are telling them to move to Jersey. It used to be they threatened it. Now it's the other way around. It's to get the hell back. Out. Take me to Plainfield. They're pointing. Uh, Larry Merchant is constantly angry over the New York Giants. He refuses to accept the fact they are in New York. We don't buy losers in this town, do we? We disown all losers. Now, if they were winners, we'd be different. We'd be wailing the fact that they're moving out. But that's the way it is in this town. Santa Claus has become a loser. Bring it up. Bring it up. Got a little more of that behind us there. You know, Santa Claus bringing all those vegetable dices laying them under the tree, the electrically driven forks. Did you know that you can buy an electrically operated fork? Yeah. Yes. Plug it right in, that little old mother. I, I, in fact, I, I uh, 
I can imagine a toy department of some place getting raided by the vice squad. You know, Santa's bundled off. Uh, <laughs> contributing to the delinquency, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, at Santa Claus, <laughs> merely an educational experience for the young tots. Well, uh, so time time moves in interesting ways, and uh, it never moves the way you think it does. It never moves in a straight line. And uh, I, I, I suspect that, uh, that eventually uh, we will be in the same position of Pompeii, uh, you know, 500, 600 years from now, People are going to be examining our artifacts, most of them given for Christmas, with a great, great interest. Great interest. Matter of fact, uh, uh, how many, how many of you can actually remember Christmas presents you got uh, as a kid? An actual Christmas present. Can you remember a real present? Do you remember a present you got, Jim? One present. No, you don't remember one. You don't remember many. But I said one. What was it? A what? Uh, a what? An axe. Well, now that was an educational toy. It depends on what you used it for. You got an axe. That's a fantastic gift. I'll tell you one of the <laughs> one of the one of the gifts which I never forgot, and uh, I will I will uh, I will lay this on you because you know the gifts gifts are funny things. Gifts are not not necessarily uh, what you think they should be. Uh, one of the one of uh, gifts can be both. Tremendously satisfying when you're a kid, or enormously disappointing, almost to the point of a trauma. But you know, uh, Christmas gifts can be very traumatic, and I can recall it. Uh, I, this, this is going to be a sad story, so for those of you who don't like sad stories, I suggest you get the devil out of here. But um, <laughs> I was about, I guess, about, uh, oh, let me think here now. I was about nine, roughly, which maybe ten. Very, very sensitive periods. About nine or ten. Can you remember ever having a fantastic yen for something that you really wanted, man? I knew you wanted it. You know, when you get the, when you get older, you tend to you, you become a self-fulfilling prophecy when you're older. If you really want something, you go out and get it. But when you're 9 or 10, that's not very easy to do, <laughs> especially if it runs into the jack. You know, you're depending on other people to fulfill your prophecies, and that puts you in a very vulnerable situation. I don't know whether Freud knew about this, but um, every one of us do. And the, the, the comic strips was, uh, was one of the areas of downfall, because in the comic strips at that period, they were running ads in the comic strips, you know, like the... The bottom of the comic strip would have this terrific ad where it showed all these kids doing this stuff. And it says, hey, fellas and gals, why don't you tell your mom and dad what a terrific gift this would make? And uh, it shows these kids playing with a fantastic director set. I'm, you know, it says, makes, makes Ferris wheel. It says, make a merry-go-round. Has a genuine electric motor. And chose these kids every every week. See, they they had a different thing these kids were making. One week they had this drawbridge, and the bridge apparently went up and down. Uh, that's what it said. Yeah, it was a drawbridge, and you did it with the motor, and it had gears and the whole bit. And uh, 
the next week they, they made a uh, they made a merry-go-round. The week after that they made a derrick. You know, the derrick being made. And it says operates with this electric motor. She was kid running the controls. The thing is picking up stuff. And uh, oh, that's fantastic. And 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 Schwartz and I, the kid that I knew, both suddenly got bitten by the electric set bug. Now I I'm gonna have to give you a terrible confession. I never was bitten by the electric train bug. I'm probably the only ex-kid in the history of the Western world that never was bitten by the electric train bug. A lot of other kids, I must say, in my neighborhood weren't either because we didn't need electric trains. We just walked out and we could get run over by a real one any time we wanted to. <laughs> I mean, they were all over the place. And I'm still all over the place out there. Big diesel engines, you know, red, white, and blue. Nothing but like being run over by a big diesel, you know, that and it's a big golden stars on the front of it and stuff. But, uh, so the train never really got us. I, uh, the idea of owning a train was so, so commonplace, it just meant nothing to us. Now, the one thing I always wanted to own at that period was a gas model airplane. But uh, I never got that. But nevertheless, somehow, this whole idea of the Erector set, which were being advertised like crazy in the comic strips, began to get Schwartz and myself. We would talk about what we're going to build. So Schwartz laid the groundwork at home. You know, his house. What he wanted for Christmas was an electric set. Well, I had to do the same thing. See, so that I, I, you know, your mother always says, now, now don't forget, if, you, if there's anything you want for Christmas, be sure to give us a few clues and hints that we can pass along to Santa Claus. And, uh, well, uh, I I, uh, I I I did. I I I said, "Boy, it sure would be fun if I had an arrested thing. You know what I could do? I could build a garage." Tell a friend you're tuned to the Talk of Miami, WKAT. That's Cat with a K. This is Lynn Russell. This is WKAT, Miami Beach, Miami. So where our garage was always on show with the doors. I, <laughs> Uh, if I had an erector set, do you realize what I could do with an erector set? That, look, you can build a crane. It says you can build a crane. You know, if I did that, if I could build a crane out of the erector set, do you realize what I could do? I could fix our lawn then with the crane. Yeah, somehow I could you know, dig holes out there and my mother could plant the iris plants or some damn thing with a crane. And I, you know, all I, I begin to see myself building this great stuff with the, with the electric motor. Well, time went by. And my mother was nodding. Mm, very interesting. Yes, very interesting. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I showed her the ad. Because it said in the ad, show this to your mom and dad. <laughs> now, you know, they, uh, I, I, do they still do that in ads? Oh, really? Oh, listen, uh, you know, because I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily read many toy ads these days, but... Uh, I, I, I really remember getting hung in that erector set. And, and as Christmas came closer, their ads got more spectacular. I mean, they were in color, for one thing. And, and the erector set, it showed, uh, it showed this merry-go-round. And the merry-go-round they made was, had, a, had a big... You, you, apparently, there were red plates or something in this erector set. And the top of the merry-go-round, like a canopy, was made out of red. And, and you saw all these, uh, these little silver bars and all that inside of the thing. And, and it looked huge. It looked like these kids were playing with a, with a merry-go-round. It was so big, it looks like you could get on it. 
And in the background was a Ferris wheel that they made. The Ferris wheel is going in a retrocess, and the crane is going up and down. It says, build your own electrically driven automobile. And it showed a little truck that you made out of the electric set. You could make it out of these these uh, I-beams and stuff. <laughs> and you put the, the little electric motor and it runs out of a battery. Oh, God, I could taste it. And then it finally came. Christmas, which seems to creep up on on arthritic cat's paw feet when you really want something. When you're giving something, it comes up like crazy. See, the minute that you become an adult, Christmas comes so damn fast you can't believe it. Yeah, in fact, it comes quicker than you get anything for anybody. I have never known anybody except ladies with blue hair <laughs> who, who have their Christmas shopping done when Christmas comes. It's, it comes up like, like, like a tidal wave. But to a kid, Christmas comes very, very slowly. You can't imagine how people couldn't get any of their shopping done because it takes maybe 15, 20 years for Christmas to come. Well, here it is, you know, Christmas is slowly creeping up. And all our Christmas gifts in our family were always done on Christmas Eve. Most people have the Christmas morning bit, you know, where they get up and they run down. We didn't have that at this point. But uh, Christmas Eve was the whole big night. And uh, we would go out and we'd come back and magically here's the Christmas tree. And everything is all lit up and it's, you know, all the, all the walnuts and all that jazz. And... Uh, and the old man would always say, you know, he'd always he'd wear his coat and everything. It was very official. <laughs> and we had, yeah, and he always would buy wine on Christmas. It was a whole big thing. We had this wine, and a sweet, very sweet wine, which I do not recall what kind it was. I think she, uh, his friend Shorty made it in the garage out of raisins or something. But uh, he always had this wine, and my mother got these Pfeffernes cookies. You know what a Pfeffernes cookie is? It's these round white cookies. Pfefferness, which is a German cookie. Well, Delodoro makes them. You see them around. Pfefferness. Uh, that's called Pfefferness. Maybe you don't know how to pronounce it. Maybe you call it Pfeffernmus or something. It's Pfefferness, which means peppernuts in German. And and who, who is this barbaric agency that keeps telling people to buy streusel cake? That is not streusel cake, Frank. That's streusel. And that's the worst mispronunciation I've ever heard on a major commercial. Streusel cake. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's just you know, one of those things. That's like saying, have you tried our new magnificent, made from top beautiful grapes, our new champagne? I suppose there are people who insist on calling champagne champagne because it's spelled that way. But it is not Streusel Agency, please. It is Streusel. Streusel practices. Say it once yourself. Streusel. Like it is not Greenwich, it is Greenwich. Whether you like it or not, Bank, it's Greenwich. <laughs> one does not go by Greenwich meantime, unless one is a slopehead from the word go. However, maybe you do have plenty of slopeheads going over there, I don't know. But nevertheless, Christmas came in, oh, fantastic. And, and there, there's Christmas music being played on the, on the, they're always turning the radio into Christmas music, not more different. And there was all that stuff, all that spirit, all spread out under the Christmas tree. And this is the culmination of, of at least two months of sweaty anticipation. I was going to get a long last bite, the liquor says, I was going to make, I was going to make a, a life-size 
at that point, he would be educated for what's going to happen later on in life and most everything else he gets. That's a truly educational toy. Wouldn't you agree with that? Or, you know, an educational toy would be a cute little cuddly crocodile that actually bites. You know, he presses the button and it tears his arm off. <laughs> you know that you can actually buy an electrically operated for kids that have got everything and have had to have a certain turn of mind. You know that you can buy an electrically operated, fully submersible, will stay underwater for over 20 minutes. A tiny, three-foot-long shark that the kid can put in the swimming pool and scare the old man out of bed. <laughs> Great, it's got real teeth and everything. A little thing does it. And, and apparently it's got a photoelectric cell in it. It'll strike at any living creature that moves across the path. Whap, just like that. What a toy. Now, I'd love one of those. Wouldn't you like to have a little battery-operated hooded cobra that has genuine three-quarters life-size venom? It just stuns you for a while. You know, it doesn't actually kill. It just uh, makes the arm numb for about a week or two. Oh, those are toys, man. A gorilla that actually swings from the chandelier, you know, and tears the ceiling out. You've been listening to Gene Shepard here on WKAT, the talk of Miami. Gene Shepard is heard 1 to 4 a.m. Sunday mornings here on WKAT and Tuesday through Saturday from 3 to 4 a.m. We hope you enjoy him. CBS News. The Nicaraguan government agrees to trade political prisoners for diplomatic hostages held by guerrillas, but the deal hasn't been made yet. I'm Mike Stanley reporting on the CBS radio network. Bargaining will resume in Managua.